calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Good day, good people. My name is Brad King, and this is the Downtown Riders Jam video podcast, part of the Solid Listen Podcast Network. We're coming to you from deep inside the jam bunker, and as you can see, if you are watching us, it's holiday time here in the bunker. And while we lost Max earlier this year, we still got his stocking up. He will forever be with us. This was his favorite time of year. I don't know why. Um, maybe it's because I was happy, but he loved the snow. He loved hanging out. He loved presents. He loved uh, all the paper and stuff that would be around the floors. I was wrapping stuff. It was crazy. So while I'm missing him this year, we are keeping him in our heart. Uh, hope that you are doing well. Very excited today on the program. Sophie Cousins, who's just utterly charming and 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 kind and nice, and we had such a lovely chat. Uh, her book, Just Haven't Met You Yet, is out right now in England and the United States, actually North America, um, coming soon to Europe. Uh, had a lovely conversation with her, uh, and she's one of those people. She was a TV producer um, for 12 years uh, before she transitioned into becoming a writer. And if you've listened to the program at all, we've had folks that have made that jump right from TV and, and film into writing, but it's, that's scary, man. Like as an adult, leaving a career and doing a new thing, 
That's scary. And she did it. Uh, now she lives in a place that I didn't know existed, uh, the island of Jersey in the UK. I've spent a whole lot of time in Europe, a lot of time in the UK, a lot of time in England. Never heard of it. Uh, so we talked a little bit about that. Um, and she now has the writing career. She has two small children. Um, she's written a bestseller this time next year. And when I was doing the little bit of research that I do for these programs, it was Good Morning America Book of the Month, I think in December, a couple of years ago. It was a big deal. Like she's done it. And now just haven't met you yet is out. And as we spoke today, she had just sent her draft off for her third book. So a lot of fun um, talking with her before we get to all of that. You know, we do some business. The Jam comes out every Wednesday. These video podcasts come out on Monday and Friday. A couple things you can do to help us out. Book lovers in your life, let them know about the program. It's a great way to find new authors. We interview people from all over the world, all across the publishing spectrum. It's a good way for them to figure out what they want to read next. Also, if you like what you heard, leave us a review, either over at Apple Podcasts or head on over to our Facebook page at The Writer's Jam and leave us a review there. Uh, the video podcast series, what you're watching right now, you can always catch that at thewritersjam.com if you don't want to listen to the audio, if you would like to see me. Uh, while you're at our website, a couple things you can do. You can sign up for our newsletter. You can read the book reviews, um, and I'll be putting some more of those up. I just took a long drive and had, I think, three or four audiobooks that I finished. Driving to Alabama is a long way away from Pittsburgh. Uh, and you can also buy books. Click on that bookshop link, and you can buy anything from local and independent bookstores across the country. You can also support everybody on the Solid Listen Network. Click on that Patreon button, and for just a couple bucks a month, you will support everybody who's putting out shows. And Malls and Nicole have been building this network out, cranking out lots of stuff. Um, and coming in February, we'll talk a little bit about this uh, in the future, but we got a downtown Riders Jam special thing that'll be going up behind the wall. So a couple bucks a month, support everybody. I appreciate you taking some time. I know we're after Thanksgiving now. We're getting into the holiday season. Whatever you celebrate, December seems to be a time that like all those holidays converge. And as you can see, if you're watching, that is beginning to sprout up here. Uh, so I appreciate you taking a little bit of time to uh, join us here. I appreciate that. I know time is limited. So anytime you give to us, it's a big deal over here. Uh, I hope that things are going well for you. I hope getting all your shopping done. I hope most importantly that you're taking care of yourselves and each other. Is that time of year when we get to be unashamedly the people that we want to be all year. And I hope you are leaning into that because we need some of that goodness right now. For now, while you're cleaning, doing whatever holiday thing you're doing while we're in your ear, I hope you'll sit back and spend about 25 or 30 minutes with me and my conversation with Sophie Cousins. I am in Jersey, actually, yeah. So I lived in London for 12 years and then moved to Jersey seven years ago. Uh, which is, yeah, Small Island, Channel Islands, which is where my current book is set. So, so yeah. I, I've spent a ton of time over in England and in, in, in Europe. I, I've never heard of Jersey. Like, where is it? Like, is it between? It's, it's it? basically, yeah, you can see France. So it's kind of just off the coast. It's like an hour's ferry off the coast of St. Malo. Wow. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of near Brittany, but it's kind of, english-speaking kind of part sure. of the british isles 
Um, but yeah, it's a very unique little, you know, it's a little bit sunnier than the UK, but there's all these like French road signs and amazing food, but it's kind of, yeah, culturally English. How did you end up there? Um, because my husband works in finance and there's a big finance industry over here. So he, he kind of came for a job and we never left basically. Um, but it kind of worked out because I obviously worked in TV before, which is very kind of, I worked in big studio entertainment shows. Uh, so very much in cities and sort of London and Glasgow and places. Uh, so I had to have a bit of a rethink coming to a small Island where very little television uh so kind of gave the writing a go and it's all worked out so far yeah like how like i grew up in a very small town of like five thousand people so like i've gone to the cities like how was that transit because you did you grow up in a small place no so i didn't know so we moved all my dad was in the army actually so we moved all Um, over the place so i'm kind of used to being quite flexible about wherever i lay my hat is very much my home uh, so yeah, we lived all over the world when I was growing up. So that's at least, it wasn't like that big of a shock of like, holy shit, like I'm in the middle of nowhere. No, it wasn't. <laughs> and also it's still only an hour flight back to London. So it's quite easy to go and visit people. Yeah. And it's like, it's small town, but it's also, you've got everything here because it's yeah. not, you know, there's lots of, and all, if you meet anyone that you like, there's a, they're only a 15 minute drive, which is quite good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's totally different than city living where like literally your friendships are proximity based. Like eh, you're a five minute walk. We can be friends. <laughs> you're on the wrong tube line. I'm never going to be friends with yeah. you. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I lived in California. <laughs> I lived on the east and west coast of America. Like that was always the joke. Like I had a, a, a friend of mine once that said, love is about proximity. Like if I love equally somebody that lives five minutes away or 30 minutes away, I'm going to be with the one five minutes away. Yeah. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah. Makes all sorts of sense. <laughs> so how do you make the transition from, I've, I've had lots of folks on the show that came from um, TV and film, but most of them came from writing. So how do yes. you make the transition from producing into writing novels because these are not on its surface related careers no they're not really actually I think and I think if anything um working in tv just made me see how difficult writing is because I saw the process that the writers on the shows you know that and how laborious even writing you know (laughs) I mean to be fair I worked in comedy shows so stand-up is actually really hard to write because it's got to be funny which is you know harder than other type of writing but I kind of saw a little bit of like behind the Wizard of Oz curtain of kind of what goes into creating funny writing and if anything it made me kind of more wary of doing my own writing um but I think that yeah I just sort of it's always something I wanted to do and I feel that writing books I actually get to tell the stories that I want to write whereas when I worked in TV I was always helping produce other people's stories yeah. um, which you know was very was a very different kind of beast yeah well and the thing that I've learned from TV and film writers is that it actually prepares you to write novels in, in a way that like traditional like what you do schooling doesn't because at the three minute mark, this needs to happen at the seven minute mark. This needs to happen at the 12 minute. And there's no wiggle room. You can't come no. back and be like, I need 62. They're like, you don't have 62. Yes. And so you get that you get that sort of tight format for creativity. Yes. And actually, that is something that I find in the edit room of, you know, even if I wasn't writing a show, 
editing a show is really where the show gets made in a way because yeah. you you realize where the lag is and like you know you could you could film a scene that was 15 minutes that when you were shooting it it seemed hilarious and that you couldn't possibly lose one joke and then in the edit suddenly it's two and you're like actually it's just as funny and if not funnier than it was um yeah so yeah editing i think is a is a is a good i don't seem to have been able to edit my books nearly as well as that's a good point i should start thinking of the TV shows. <laughs> you literally you just talked yourself into like oh shit yeah this is well and i tell people like whenever like young whenever people early in their careers are like how do you know if you're a writer i'm like two things like if you read a lot and if you edit like because that like up in like the first draft is not writing that's the first draft like the actual craft of that comes in shaping it and that's the horribly terrible boring part that nobody wants to talk about <laughs> yes yes and so actually just literally the second before getting off on the phone to you i had fi i finished the first draft that i'm about to send to my editor of my third book yeah and i'm just reading it back and it feels like yeah it feels like the beginning it feels like right here's yeah the you know raw material now let's like shape it into something good yeah yeah and you get like i think that coming from a a a, a career where, where like you had to shape and do that stuff it makes that preciousness i think i don't it never gets easy it's never easy to send that first draft but you sort of right disassociate yourself and you're like well this is not going to be what it is so yeah be as hard as I you need to be on this <laughs> I mean, I think I think as a relative newbie, what I found very difficult is this because I'm trying to do like a book a year because of this lag time. Yeah, my my second book is out. And, yeah. you know, I'm getting lovely messages from people who are really enjoying it and like, you know, highlighting bits they've liked. And I comparing that with my first draft book. And it's, you know, and it's you've got to really remind yourself like, OK, that had that had a lot of work yeah. on it to get to that stage. Whereas I'm just thinking, like, this book is not as good as the book that's yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and here's the thing. This is your third book. So you're not a newbie anymore. OK, I'm not a newbie anymore. Right? Yeah. Okay. Now you, yeah, and like you're in it. Like if you're doing one a year, like and we I talk about this all the time on the show, like the the sort of trauma of success. Right. Like it takes your whole life to write your first book. And then if it does well, which your first book did well, they're like. Uh, yeah, where's the go, next go, one go, you're go, like go. uh <laughs> do i get to enjoy this they're like no yeah. no we need another draft right now <laughs> yeah another idea better idea better idea go! yeah yeah and like you and then the the other joke on the show is like you to be a writer you have to be narcissistic enough to believe that you have something to say and self-loathing enough to think that you're not very good at saying it yes and actually, the more the more writers I meet, the more I realize there's a real like psychology behind being a successful writer. And it's nothing to do with success in terms of, you know, sales or money or contract. The success is all having the right psychological approach to writing. Yeah, it's a hard like it's a hard business. Like it's a yeah. hard. Um, and I think particularly because of what you just said, which is we write a thing and then you spend your whole life. I don't need to look at the good stuff. I only need to look at the bad stuff. Only need to look at the bad stuff. Yes. Only need to look at the bad stuff. And you do that for a year and you're like, I am not good at this at all. Yes. Because you've hyper-focused on what has been wrong to fix it. Yes, exactly. Exactly. But it makes me sad that I've put all of this work into my book. This just haven't met you yet. And I'm getting nice messages from people saying, oh, this really spoke to me. This scene was so funny. And my first instinct is not like, oh, yay, go me. It's, I can't do this again. Oh, no, yeah. I'm never going to write anything yeah. good ever again. Yeah. And the <laughs> other thing, like, the other thing is, uh, the other one that I always have is like, well, I don't think you understand 
this then. Oh, you think it's good? Like, yeah, I have a low opinion of you now. What? <laughs> like, how could you think this is good at all? <laughs> you can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Hi, I'm Alexis Ohanian. You may know me as one of the co-founders of Reddit, but more recently, a large part of my identity is being a father to my wonderful daughters. In my podcast, Business Dad, I hope to open the conversation about working parents a bit. You'll get to hear from a wide range of business dads, from Rain Wilson and Guy Raz to Todd Carmichael and Shane Battier, to find out how they balance being a dad with a successful career. Business Dad is available now, so be sure to listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. GZM Shows and the creators of Six Minutes are rolling out their newest audio adventure with the podcast Discovering Dad. A cautious single dad with a secret past and his rebellious kids embark on a thrilling quest complete with hidden treasure, villains, and a family curse. New episodes of Discovering Dad roll out weekly starting June 11th on Apple Podcasts. Follow the show so you never miss an episode. Or listen early and ad-free as a GZM Show subscriber. Go to gzmshows.com to learn more. <laughs> so give me give me the li- like uh so give me the little blurb about uh just haven't met you yet. So just haven't met you yet. It is a rom-com set in Jersey where I live. It's about a girl called Laura who picks up the wrong suitcase at the airport. And when she gets back to her hotel and she opens the case, she sees in the contents everything she is looking for in a man. So this guy has, is reading her favorite book. He's got sheet music from her favorite musician. He's got these, this incredible like fisherman's jumper, which he's got a real thing for. All of these things that just make her feel that like the fates have aligned and she's been delivered her soulmate in a carry-on suitcase. <laughs> and then <laughs> hilarity ensues. Hilarity ensues. <laughs> it's really, inter- you know, like I've always, like I, over the years, like rom-coms have been one of those like guilty pleasures of mine. Like, I, and in the, the pandemic, the two things that I have read the most are thrillers. Apparently sitting in my house alone, I want to read about like murder people. And then I want to read like, Oh, happy love. Like, this is good. Like things Yay. at some point, things might be good again. Balance them out. Yeah. Horror and murder. Happy yeah. Love. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if they're, I'm sure that's psychological. I guess I should probably talk to my therapist about that. Like, why does murder and love seem to be a thing that you gravitate to? 
<laughs> I think it's knowing what you're getting when you embark. I think it's the, I think it's the knowing the genre. So you just know what you're picking yeah. up and you're getting into. Yeah, it's not suddenly like, going to turn into something. And like as a writer, I was I I read things differently than like regular people because I'm always trying to unpack what you're doing. Like that's how I read stuff, right? Like so, uh, because it has such a fixed structure, it allows yes. such great creativity to tweak and play with that stuff. And like, I think that that's why I gravitate to those things because you're like, well, I know what's coming. Yes. How are you gonna? How are you gonna fool me? <laughs> yes. You know. You know what has? You know what writing has ruined for me? <laughs> because <laughs> so Merry now, Christmas. When, <laughs> now, now when I read or listen to audiobooks, so one of the things that I find very difficult as a writer is thinking of original ways to describe body movements. So, like you know. He looked at her with like hooded eyes or he rolled his jaw or he kind of, you know, scratched his arm or yeah. like, all of these tiny little gestures that kind of put you in the scene and help you imagine the characters. I find those really difficult. So whenever I'm listening to something, I'm listening out for other ways that authors express kind of movement, <laughs> not, you know, forget the themes, forget the jokes. I just want like, you know. <laughs> I need a bunch of phrase. I need a phrase book of just like, okay, yeah. how are the ways like, cause otherwise, because you know, literary Twitter will lose their shit, man. Like uh, Franzen wrote some sex scene apparently. And like for three days on my Twitter, it was just people like, has this guy ever been with somebody? And I'm like, <laughs> my God, like he's written a thousand books at a certain point. You're just like, uh, I don't know this happened. <laughs> so when you sat down to like, when you decided to transit, when you decided to write, when you said this is the thing that I'm going to do, how did did you know the genre that you wanted to be in? Or were you just like, I'm going to tell a story and then sort of find your way into it? So I didn't know. So I, I, I before I was a published writer, I had dabbled with lots of different genres. Actually, I tried a bit of sci fi, a bit of YA, a bit of slightly more kind of literary stuff. And I think it was, I, I then wrote a, I won a competition to have an ebook published called How to Get Ahead in Television, which was very much based on my own experience. Yeah. Um, and that kind of just naturally had a rom-com vibe to it. And so then when it came to sort of what to write next, I kind of worked closely with my agent and a publisher on the, you know, what, what would suit my voice. And that's kind of how this time next year was born and I kind of kicking myself that I didn't really do rom-coms earlier because what was I thinking trying to do yeah. like sci-fi <laughs> yeah but you know what like it like I think I mean we talk about all the time on the show finding your voice as an author is the hardest thing in the world to do it's the most important like I am convinced uh, structure all that stuff comes later you have to first yes. figure out who you are on the page and that takes time and also, I didn't think I realized that writing, you could just write kind of the kind of like your internal monologue. You can you could write like quite, quite kind of <laughs> it doesn't have to be like hugely literary descriptive, like the yeah. kind of books I write now is the way like my head thinks and the way people speak and the way that is like common parlance kind of thing. And that was a, it sounds so obvious, but that was a real breakthrough for me because I hadn't read a lot of books like that. Yeah. But I think that 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 comes out of the, the I don't know how it is. I mean, I have a, some sense of how it is over there, but like I know like the MFA world over here, you you hear it all the time. Like people are trying to get you to write a certain kind of way. And, you know, the, I the example I use is romance writing in this country 
is gigantic, right? And there are women yeah. who turn out a book a month and make a really good living and have huge audiences. But you don't go to an MFA program to do that. Like that literally has been a thing that has bubbled out of the community, out of authors finding their voices and then using these tools. And that to me is an amazing thing. And so it yes. makes sense that you would be like, I didn't know you could just do that because that's sort of not the zeitgeist of our world. Yes, yes. And also I think from the English literature that I did study, it was always, you know, you were looking at kind of Milton and Chaucer and kind of examining these incredibly lofty yeah. themes. Yeah. And actually, you know, recently I've discovered some amazing, there's an amazing podcast that's basically, oh, I have to find what it's called, but it's like, you know, idiot, oh, oh yeah, fiction writing made easy, which is literally like idiot's guide to writing a book. And I mean, it's so helpful. Yeah. And I'm like, why am I teaching this in schools? This yeah. is brilliant. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, as a nonfiction writer, I, I often, like whenever I tell people, I'm like, I'm transcribing the movie in my head. Like the thing that you're seeing is me writing this movie and I'm just desperately trying to keep up with it. And yeah. if you went to an MFA program, they'd be like, well, here's a regression. And I'm like, I don't know what the fuck regression is, but like, I'm going to step back for a minute and be like, hey, everybody, this thing, we're going to go here for a minute, right? Because that's, I grew up around a campfire with people telling stories. And I'm assuming yeah. if you were in comedy, a lot of that stuff is writing on stage. It's writing in real time. It's like things are like, it's not necessarily sitting down in a thing, right? Like it's not in a room and just banging it out. Like there's many facets to that writing. Yes. Yes. And I do think as well that, you know, I, I when I was at school, I, you know, I, I love reading, but I think I found, I found lots of the kind of like, I don't know, grammar and tense and like, lots of technicalities of a bit like when I was at school were not my strong point and I think sometimes you can lose a bit of confidence that you could ever be a writer because yeah. you're not like brilliant at all of that stuff and actually the stuff that the most important thing is being able to tell a story in a compelling yeah. way and keep people listening and that is harder to teach than you know all the spelling that you can get an editor to correct. <laughs> yeah, right. Like it's why copy editors make a lot of money. I'm like, yeah, yeah. you're gonna see all the tenses in this uh, thing. Yeah, it's supposed to be in. It's supposed to be in present. So just you know, make that happen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just fix it. Just go. Yeah. But it really is like it's. I mean, anybody who's listening who's ever been to a party knows telling a story is hard because you've been at a party and somebody's told a story and you're like, well, that was just a series of events. <laughs> Well, that yes. Was not a... <laughs> yes and that was definitely a problem of working in comedy when in the day I'd be with comedians who like you know they're they are some of the best storytellers in the world yeah and then you go to a dinner party and the, the person next to you would tell a story in like a non-professional stand-up way and you'd be like oh come on yeah <laughs> let's, next up, time... let's up the standard a little here yeah like next time you tell it you need to cut this punch this up and this is the this is the kicker like you exactly. need to get to that in like two minutes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, it is why writers are also insufferable party guests. Completely insufferable, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whenever somebody asks for a story, like, and I'm sure my girlfriend is like at this point nodding her head because people will tell stuff and I'm just like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like we need to like, <laughs> yeah. don't stretch it. I need you to, <laughs> to cut that. <laughs> uh, so just haven't met you yet is out. It's out now. Is it's it out, out now, in, yes. In, in, in like both in Europe and America, or are we going to Waterstones yes. to get that? It's it's out in the UK and America. 
nowhere else yet. Um, this yet. time next year is yeah coming out. It's been out in the US and the UK last year, but it's coming out in various other territories at the moment, which is really exciting to see. It's just come out in Germany last week and oh. Czechoslovakia and all sorts of places. So yeah. That's fun. My, my writing partner lives in Berlin, so I will uh, I will send them to the bookstore to get that yes. for Christmas. That's yes. very exciting. And like uh, it's I, I always tell people, well, not people, writers, it's a big deal. Like making that switch and sort of in in a career and making the leap to give that a try and then being successful at it. And particularly in the pandemic, when you don't really get all of the stuff once yes. you're done right you like the it's finished for you but like there is that niceness to seeing it in places and going out like i hope that you uh pat yourself on the back because that's a big deal to be able to pull this off in a time in which creativity is not always the first thing on all of our minds right now yeah and i think it's actually really hard like if you you know anyone who's ever wanted to be a writer you know when you're at there, there is a stage where you just you can keep going and you can keep trying and you try and write stuff and it doesn't happen. And like the confidence it would and self-belief that it would take, you know, I know writers who have probably written like six or seven books before they've got one published. Yeah. And like, personally, I just don't know if I would have had the self-belief to carry on. So I'm kind of very lucky and very grateful that the stars aligned for me to get published at the right time, because now, now I'm going to do it. <laughs> you know, now I'm not, you know, I, I can believe someone wants to read it, whoever they are, you know, but I do well, think that's a really hard thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you, like, it's not lucky because as you said, you dabbled with all kinds of writing, you were editing and you were producing around that stuff. Like you were around storytelling for a really long time. Like it's not luck. It's I never let writers say, like the last mile is luck. The first the 99 mile. miles is that is perseverance and learning the craft and doing the business. And we're terrible at telling ourselves, like, actually, I did do a lot of work on this. And I do no, have no, a skill was, at this. You're right. It's 99%. But that, but that last bit, like, yeah. you know, you could write the best novel yeah. in the world. And it's still just like, you know, you, you, need, you need certain things like book clubs yeah. and booksellers and everyone to yeah. jump on that wagon with you. Yeah. <laughs> That's the shit. That's the shit. Because, you know, how many writers do you know that like I know brilliant writers that have just never landed? And I'm like, well, you're yeah. the best writer that I know. Like you're like, yeah. uh, you, you know, and so, yeah, that that last mile is. But good on you for like finding your voice and doing the thing. And like, what a great. um, Yeah, like just that's. Thank you. What a great thing. And I'm always <laughs> I'm always happy when I get to talk to a writer that finds that. And also, I think as well, like having worked in TV, I the thought of going to another career and like being at like the bottom of the pile again and having bosses like I just I don't think I could do it. So I'm really grateful I get to be like, self-employed <laughs> because I love being self-employed. <laughs> I mean, anytime I talk to young writers, I always tell them if you have a second plan, if you have a backup plan, you won't be a writer because this job sucks. It's horrible. <laughs> the payoff is unknown. And so there's always escape hatches out. And yeah. so if you, but like, if you get, like if you said, you're like, well, I can't go back to this other thing. Like fear is a wonderful motivator. <laughs> yes, exactly. I am not going back. Yeah. No. <laughs> I can't, I can't do it. Yeah. De death for me was always working in an office. I always imagined if I was in a cubicle, I did it for like a week and was like, oh, this is mm, it's not going to work for me. <laughs> 
spreadsheets give me like hives like oh, anything good. anytime anyone wants me to open excel or like make a kind of you know administrative formula like like no no take it away well you are <laughs> lovely thank you for spending a little bit of time uh with me i can't wait to pick up the book uh just haven't met you yet um because it's the holiday season and that means i'm putting the murders aside and I'm yeah and pick up the rom-coms yeah, yeah like i literally started my hallmark and lifetime movie watching and so i'm gonna be reading books along with that uh for a little happy joy in the season yay amazing and yeah <laughs> bah humbug yeah bah humbug. <laughs> well you have a great day and i hope we get to talk again soon when the next one comes out thanks so much yeah love you talk well there you have it that was sophie cousins whose book just haven't met you yet is out now in england in north america coming out throughout europe utterly charming and so great when you find people who have made the switch of career and not like another job like left the career and started this whole writing thing and then stuck the landing that's a big deal and i love talking to people um that do that because it's a it's a terrifying leap so when people do it and they do it well god love them love talking to them uh, before we get out of here, a couple reminders. If you like what you heard today, do us those two favors we talked about at the top of the show. Think about a book lover in your life. Tell them about our program. Help them find some new books. And leave us a review, either on Apple Podcasts or over at the Facebook page. Don't forget to check out all the other programs on the Solid Listen Podcast Network, including the flagship Mother May I Sleep With podcast with host and our Solid Listen podcast queen, Molly McLear. These video podcasts coming out on Mondays and Fridays, maybe a little sporadic through the holidays, but head over to the Solid Listen Network YouTube channel. You can always catch them at thewritersjam.com or you can catch the audio wherever you listen to the Downtown Writers Jam, which is out every Wednesday. Surest way to not miss anything we do, get yourself subscribed wherever you listen to podcasts. Don't forget, you can always catch us on Twitter and Instagram at the Writers Jam. Until the next time, I will see you around the internet. Talmor, Sheshin Mughachi. Talmor is my home. My family have worked the land for generations. My gran says the island does not belong to us, but we belong to the island. And we must be ready, for a great evil is coming, and death follows with it. Listen and subscribe to the latest season of Undertow, The Harrowing, a story glass production presented by Realm, available wherever you get your podcasts. The thing that I fought tooth and nail to bring my son into is Dungeons and Dragons. That is the ultimate solution to parenthood. I'm Alexis Ohanian. In my podcast, Business Dad, I'm hoping to open up the conversation about balancing careers and family. I talked to Rain Wilson. I wanted to learn more about Rain's advice to play D&D with your kids. Business Dad is available now, so be sure to listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you.